0: grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ amen let us hear the word of God this morning as we find it written in the Old Testament there in the book of Samuel the first book by that name the third chapter the 13th verse for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. You may look out in a bit overcast this morning, but it is a beautiful day, and I hope that all of us are glad for the privilege of being here in God's house at this hour. As you know, today is the second Sunday after Trinity, but it's also the third Sunday in June, and we are mindful of the fact that the third Sunday in June has been set aside in our country as Father's Day. It is very appropriate that we set a Sunday aside to honor our Christian fathers, even as on the second Sunday in May, as you know, we have set that Sunday aside for the honoring of our Christian mothers. For surely the word of God not only has a message for Christian mothers, but it also has a message for Christian fathers likewise. If you recall on Mother's Day, we went back in the Old Testament and we talked about a mother by the name of Hannah. We talked about her when before she was a mother, she went to the tabernacle at Shiloh. She lived over a thousand years before Jesus came into the world. And there at Shiloh, there was a man by the name of Eli who was the high priest. And you recall that Hannah there prayed fervently that God would bless her with a son. And she promised God that he would give her a son, that she would lend him to him. And in the course of events, Hannah became a mother from her husband, Elkanah. And she had a son and she called him Samuel. And when he was weaned, you remember, she brought back that son to Shiloh to the tabernacle and presented the young Samuel to Eli, the high priest. And today we're going on with that story because we're going to center our attention in this high priest, Eli. He was the high priest at Shiloh at the tabernacle, but he was also a father. He was the father of two sons, and their names were Hophni and Phinehas. We know this as we read about Eli, that he was a very deeply pious man. Eli was a deeply religious man. He had the fear of God in his heart and this simply made him very fitting for the position of high priest. But also we find that there was something missing in that man's character and in that man's conduct. There was something that was lacking and God tells us what it was and that was this, that he restrained not his sons. There was something about Eli as pious as he was which somehow made him not make his sons behave themselves. He simply did not make them obey. He didn't make them mind him. He just simply refused to make those sons do what he wanted them to do. And this is the man we want to look at. He restrained and not his sons. And on the basis of the word of God, God would warn you and me We who are Christian fathers, God would warn us this morning on this Father's Day, don't be Eli's Christian fathers. Don't be fathers like Eli, the high priest was, who failed to make his children obey him, to mind him, to behave themselves, to do what he wanted them to do. God warns you and me to see to it as Christian fathers that your kids obey you, that they do what you want them to do that they will mind you, that they will behave themselves, you discipline them. God warns us Christian fathers on this Father's Day, uh, don't be Eli's. And we may say as Christian fathers, I wonder why God would warn us not to be Eli's. He was a father who restrained not his son. We may say, so what is uh, so terribly criminal about making our kids behave themselves? What is so awful? What is so sinful? What is absolutely so wrong? If you and I, as fathers, sort of brush over this and we say to ourselves, why make our kids behave? Why make them mind us? Why make them obey us? And we say, is this so criminal? Is this something that is so terrible? May I say that God warns us as Christian fathers this morning, don't you be fathers like Eli. You insist that your children obey you, and all because God warns us that it's a tremendous sin against our kids. When you and I fail to make them mind, when you and I fail to make them behave, when you and I fail to make them obey us, Oh, what a tragedy of tragedies against our kids. What a sin against them. What a wrong you and I as Christian fathers commit against them when we fail to make them obey, to mind us, to do what we tell them to do. You may say to this me this morning, Preacher, is that such a great tragedy? We Christian fathers, even though we may be like Eli, is that such a tragedy? Is that such a terrible crime? Well, let's look at it this morning. God would warn you and me as Christian fathers that when we fail to make our children behave and to mind us, that it means this, that we we present them to the Lord all right, but we don't care anything about their natural inclination to evil. Now this man Eli, he was a high priest and he was a father. Again, he was a very devout person. You don't need to doubt for a moment, but when hophni and Phinehas were eight days old, that they were circumcised, they were presented to the Lord. They became God's children by the covenant of circumcision. And you and I as Christian fathers may say, well, I've done this for my kids. I presented them to the Lord in holy baptism. I have had them washed again in this water and the Word. They've been regenerated. They have been brought in again. Baptism, a living relationship with Christ. Their original sin has been forgiven. But if you and I fail to make them obey and to mind us, We are saying, I've given them to the Lord, but I don't care about their natural inclination to evil. You and I know we all came into the world with the taint of original sin. And the Word of God reminds you me that that means this, that in you and in me and in our kids and every human being except Christ, there is an inclination downward. There is in your heart and mind a desire for that which is wrong. The very twig in your life and mind, it bends downward, never up. And it means when we are Christian fathers and we fail to make our kids behave that we're saying, here are my children, Lord, but I don't care how they live. Jesus said, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And you and I, when we don't make them mine, we say we don't care. And your kids and mine, because you and I came into the world the same way, their trend is downward to that which is wrong. And therefore, what a crime, what a sin. When you and I, as Christian fathers, we become Eli's and we say, I'm not going to make my kids behave. They're not going to mind. They don't have to obey me. You and I, actually, what a sin. We encourage them to rebel against God and to go wild and to live as they please and to express themselves in the downward way, which is the kind of a heart you and I have by birth, and to lose their own soul. That's a dirty dig, and that's a dirty deal, I'll have you know. When you and I become Eli's, we fail to make our kids behave. Well, that's a sin of sin against the kids because we're encouraging them for the loss of their own soul to rebel against God. What well, means even this? It means that when you and I fail to demand obedience from our children... that oh we tell them that they should have reverence for God's name but we don't care what kind of language they use and we don't care what they read oh Eli was a God-fearing man and he in a way we are told he mildly rebuked his sons Hophni and Phinehas but they were holy terrors their lives were scandalous oh he told them that you must have reverence Hophni and Phinehas for God's name but he didn't follow it up and he didn't say no you're going to live this way you're going to obey me you're going to live in this way if you and i fail to demand obedience from our kids then we say to them i don't care how you speak don't care what kind of language you have i don't care what you read wasn't too long ago at Kiwanis Club, one of our local doctors, because he's fed up to here with pornography. He appeared before our group and he said, I know we talk about pornography and you wonder what your kids are reading and what they're looking at. And he says, I brought some of it here. And he said, I'm a father besides a physician. He said, look at this. And he held some of it up. He said, this is what your kids and mine are reading and what they're looking at. Why, well, I said, even the very genitalia, even the very organs of the man and the woman are exposed in this kind of junk. If you and I don't demand obeying, we say, listen, you're going to keep God's name reverent. You're going to talk like that. And you're not going to read this kind of rubbish. You and I say, well, is this such a tragedy if you and I don't care? Why, we means we are encouraging our kids to become moral delinquents and when you read in the paper oh you can shut an eye uh, that again sex crimes are on the increase rapes on the increase unnatural acts between human beings sexually are on the increase and we talk about moral derelicts and we talk about crime that comes from just this thing of raping and we say what's wrong whenever you and I as the Christian father. Whenever we say to ourselves, what's the difference whether I make my kids behave? Whether I say, you're going to obey me, you're going to mind me, you're going to behave yourself because I said so. We say to ourselves, is this so serious? Oh, it's a crime against our kids And you and I become fathers like Eli. Oh, it means also that when we fail again to demand obedience from them, that, oh, we tell them that it's their duty to come to God's house, but it means we don't care whether they come or not. Oh, Eli, no doubt told Huffman and Phineas. now here, you're going to be high priests someday, and you've got to come to the tabernacle here at Shiloh, but that didn't mean anything to them. Oh, you and I as Christian fathers, we tell our kids, this is God's house. And here we come to worship oh to be sure and we tell them here we hear about Jesus Christ God's son here we hear the good news that God came into the world in the form of Jesus of Nazareth born of the Virgin Mary and suffered and died for you and me that here is forgiveness here is deliverance from hell here is life and salvation here is comfort for everything that happens here is strength for the day here again when the world seems to forsake you you can come into God's house this is what buoys you up this is Jesus who loves you and yet We say to ourselves, we don't care whether they get there or not. Maybe it's example, but we, again, wonder. We say, well, is this such a crime whether our kids come to church or not? You and I, when we fail to say, now this is the Lord's day. This is the day when we worship together. This is what you're going to do. We're going to God's house. You're going to obey me. We're going to come hear the good news about Christ as Lord and Savior. And unless you and I do it, what are we doing? We're encouraging our kids. Turn their back on the house of God and to lose Jesus Christ and never know he's gone. You've heard me say it, and I repeat it again this morning, Christian fathers. You miss church three Sundays in a row. You may never get back as long as you live. When your kids and mine miss it three Sundays in a row, they may never get back and lose Jesus Christ and never know that they're damned, lost, not even know it. This is what it means This is Father's Day, and you and I may say, what about Father's Day? Eli was a high priest. He was a devout man, but he had a tremendous weakness. He didn't restrain Huffney and Phineas. He just didn't make them mind. He just didn't do it. Oh, and when you and I say, is this such a terrible crime? God warns you and me when we fail to make our kids behave, it means that we, we tell our kids to obey us. In the home, but uh, somehow or other, we don't insist upon it. This was a rather peculiar home. Here, this man, Eli, he was a high priest and he was also a father. If we bring it out from over a thousand years before Christ to today. This was a parsonage. And I suppose some of you say, "Boy, that's something, preacher." You talk about obedient kids, and you may say, "Boy, everybody knows that preachers' kids are the world's worst." That's the thing, isn't it? Well, I wonder about that That's a parsonage. I never lived in a parsonage until I became a minister. My father was in the lumber business. There are no preachers in my back ancestry at all. If you ever lived in a parsonage, you find that there's a great temptation. One temptation is to be too severe, to tell your kids, now listen, your father's a preacher, and you've got to do it this way because your father's a preacher. You look at Eli, maybe that's why he wasn't The kind of a disciplinarian, because again, you might do it with too much tenacity. I made up my mind when I became the father of two daughters that my kids would never be told in my parsonage, You got to do it, kids, because your father's a preacher and you got to do it this way. Never. I thought if I couldn't figure out a better reason than that, it would never be. Because I've seen too many PKs, as they're called, preachers' kids. I've seen them so emotionally disturbed. And some say, why are they vixens and holy tares?" Well, some say it's because of the penned-up desires of their father. And then others say, no, it's because of the kids they got associated with in the congregation. I don't know which is right. But I do know this, that it isn't easy. You get on tap University and kids that are preachers' kids, they're the PKs, and some of them feel it keenly. Either father is too strong and then they hate him, or, again, he's too lenient, he's too indulgent like Eli, seemingly they get away with murder it's a problem isn't it it's a problem eli was so indulgent but again when in the home you and i say you're going to mind me you're going to obey me this is what god asks unless you and i are going to insist upon it in discipline what are we doing we're encouraging our kids to go out from the home with respect neither for god nor man nor for institutions nor for law or order anything when you and I hear about campus upsets and the burning of buildings and the burning of police cars, and even the tragedy up at Kent State when some students were killed, I think all of us have cried on and said, where were their fathers? What kind of fathers did they have? What kind of a home did they come out of? Were they Eli's who didn't care? Didn't they ever learn respect for authority? obedience did they ever learn to obey we ask ourselves they came out of homes did somebody sin against them did they have the tragedy of tragedies of being raised in a home they had a father who was an Eli who didn't care who didn't insist upon it who again committed a great crime because the child that has never learned discipline that child is miserable to itself and a danger to everybody that meets. This is Father's Day, and we say to ourselves, does the word of God have a message, Eli? Oh, he was a high priest, a very devout man, deeply religious, but he had a flaw. He just didn't make Hophni and Phineas obey. Oh, he told them, and God reminds me, he warns us, that when you and I fail to get obedience, it means that uh, we tell our children uh, that they should have reverence for their bodies but we don't care whether they do or not today you and I are lamenting the fact we're talking about dope and we're talking about LSD maybe you saw the little clip in the paper the other night the kids singing my country tis of the sweet land of LSD is this is what we become just the week before last I was told of a father who lived in a certain area and because his son is being harassed and molested in grade school by dope peddlers and by those that are peddling dope of all kinds and being maltreated that he's selling his home and he's getting out because the authorities say we know it but we can't do anything about it mind you peddling dope marijuana in grade school you and I say what kind of homes did these kids come out of we say where was there any obedience didn't they ever learn the mind where those fathers Eli's Didn't they ever say, you're not going to do it this way? We talk about marijuana, we talk about dope, when you and I fail as fathers to say, you're going to mind me. You're going to behave yourself. This is what God demands. Unless you and I do, what a crime against our kids. We're actually encouraging them to go out. And in dope and marijuana and all the things to pollute their bodies and their souls, and in the end, to lose eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's the crime, fathers. You and I may say, oh, as long as I give the kids everything he wants, what do I care whether he obeys? God cares. God cares. God put judgment on Eli because he, he restrained not his two kids. Oh, what does it mean? God warns when you and I fail to get obedience. It means that, oh, as Christian fathers, we tell our kids, that they are to be morally straight they are again to see to it that they live moral lives but we don't care whether they do or not what about and Ken? we're told in the word of God that it was really something scandalous when the women came to the synagogue and came here to Shiloh and they came it was a Again, a tabernacle made out of tent, but that was the temple at the time. That was the gathering place. That they committed adultery with as many as they could right in the light of the temple. Grand guys, these folks were. They just shot the works. Their father would just say, now you shouldn't do that, boys. But they went on. When men say to us today, and doctors are saying that venereal disease has become epidemic. Rather strange, I told you women at the Bible study last month when you had the subject of sex, you wonder why I don't preach a Bible. Well, strange how many of you resent it when I say anything about gonorrhea and syphilis. Oh, well, you don't like to hear that. Why? Well, I know I went for years as a minister before. I dared mention those words from the pulpit. But some of you have found out, you say, we don't like to have you use those words. Fast. Some of you have found out when I talked about gonorrhea and syphilis that your kids have got it. You don't want me to mention it. May I say before you take me to task, just examine your kids first, will you? Maybe they've got it. Yes, it's permeating through the schools. It is an epidemic. Please, mother, dad, you take a look first, will you? Yes. Let's bring it out and let's talk about it. And it means that if you and I don't care how they live morally, it means that you and I don't care whether they're promiscuous, what are we doing? We are encouraging them, aren't we, to promiscuity to minds because syphilis is carried on from one generation to another. Many a child is born without a mind because somebody forgot to be clean. Not all to be sure. But syphilis is transmitted, don't you ever forget it. It goes from generation to generation. You and I may say, Christian fathers, what's the difference? Oh, it's tremendously different. Oh, it means, and God warns you, if we're going to be fathers like Eli, we're not going to demand obedience. It means that, again, if we're going to fail in this thing, and God says, this a tragedy, look at the sin, look at the crime against your kids. God says it means that we tell them to be honest with regard to things in life, but we don't care whether they are or not. You may say, what do you mean by that, Peter? I mean this. When we demand a being, are we telling our kids that the way you make money in life is you work for it? How many of us know we're all the same? I know I wanted to give my kids things I didn't have. You wouldn't be a father if you didn't want to. We're all that way. I wanted my kids to have some privileges that I never had. But oh, sometimes as fathers, we we want to give them so much that we fail to demand. Listen, you're putting this world to work. Jesus said, I've come to work and my father works. How many of us say, well, here it is. It's all gravy. We don't care whether you'll work or not. We don't care whether you'll earn anything. And there's a warped idea with regard to the tangible things of life that we let our kids believe when they, again, we don't make them work and say, now, here, if you want an allowance, you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to work. This is the way it is. And we're not going to simply hand it to you and develop parasites. How many of us are complaining today, maybe we've been fathers like Eli, that our kids hate us. When they say capitalism is a naughty, it's a dirty word. But they sit with lives that do nothing lazy. But they expect the handout. you keep them going. But they don't want to work for a living. Has it been that you and I have been Eli's? We have failed to say, you're going to mind me. You're going to earn what you get. You're going to learn like I have learned. You're going to work for it. That kind of stuff. You're going to sweat. This is what we're talking about. We look out in our country and say, what's wrong? Is it this? we got too many Eli's as fathers who, again, don't demand obedience. Oh, God warns. What does it mean? It means that we tell our children to speak the truth and we want the truth at all times. And then it means that we don't care if we don't care about this and whether they tell it or not. We allow them to lie, and we allow them to cheat, and we don't care. And what happens? Yes, Eli was, he was an easy mark. He was a pushover. there Those sons lied to him. Their lives were scandalous. And what happens? When our kids lie and get away with it, then again they think, well, we can do anything we want to do as long as we can lie and get away with it. And what happens? They begin to lie so much that they know this. They've got to kill conscience to live the way they live they've got to kill any moral sense within them they've got to get rid of god you and i may say how does it come that some of our kids come home and they say i don't believe any of this stuff anymore i don't want to go to church i don't believe in god i don't believe in christ as the son of god could it be again that we as fathers we didn't get obedience again we allowed them to get away with murder as regards the truth you see, when our kids go out and they throw everything over to live with themselves, they've got to kill their conscience. Oh, it's nice to stand and say there is no God, there isn't any judgment, there isn't any Christ. Atheists aren't born, they're made. If you've got any in your home, is it because you and I have been Eli's? We just didn't make them mine. We just didn't restrain our kids. They made monkeys out of it we took it. It means this, God warns us, that if we're going to fail in this, oh, we'll tell them that life is more than getting, that you ought to go out, and life means to be concerned for your fellow man. We don't care if they are or not. It means that we raise them up and they think only themselves. They're going to live only for themselves, get everything they want. They don't care about their brother. They don't care about a man in need. You and I don't do anything. What are we doing? We're encouraging them what? To lives that are worthless. To lives that never fulfill a plan and mission. To lives when again all that means anything, the abundance of the things of this life, when they hate to leave it at death, and when death comes with regret to have to leave it, lives that again may never need to have been lived as far as God is concerned and the loss of a soul. Kind of rough, isn't it? Kind of rough. You and I are Christian fathers. Eli was a father. He was a God-fearing man. You and I may say we're deeply religious, but how about to our kids? God says about Eli, he restrained not his son. This was the weakness. We we'll ought to say to ourselves as we look out and we hey, things don't look so good. We we'll ought to say on this Father's Day, God says, don't be Eli's. God says, you insist that those kids mind you, that they do what you tell them to do, that they obey you, that they behave themselves. And we we'll ought to say, God didn't give us any choice in this thing. You may wonder, why don't we? I think it's fear, isn't it? For one thing, we're afraid the kids won't like us. I've told you this story before, but I'll tell it again. When a mother called me and said, what do you do when you're three-and-a-half-little-old girl, when you make her mind? She said, Mother, I don't like you. And I told her, I said, if your child turns or if my kid turns and says, when I make her obey, you don't like me, I'd say, you're going to obey me in spite of it all, daughter, because you may not like me, but I want other people to like you. I want other people to like you. Listen fathers, When our kids turn in impunity and say, I don't like you, then you and I can say but I want others to like you you're going to mind me God's given me no choice we may say well what does it mean it means to do it in love when we have to discipline sometimes we got to ground them we're afraid we get too severe if it's done in love and if, if it hurts us that's a good sign God disciplines us God lays the old axe on you and me Nothing wrong with the switch of the hand, those backsides that you and I sit on. They can be used too to straighten our kids out. They're not going to be hurt. We say, well, it doesn't make any difference. God sent a prophet to Eli one day and said, Eli, because you don't make your kids behave. Because you're lax in this thing, God says, something terrible is going to happen to the sanctuary. Your sons are going to be killed. When Eli was 98 years old, he was blind, the Philistines declared war against the Israelites. And Hophni and Phinehas, they took the Ark of the Covenant out of the tabernacle. and that, That's the most sacred piece of furniture that was in the tabernacle with the mercy seat on top. God spoke from the mercy seat. This represented the presence of God. And Hophni and Phinehas took out of the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, and they carried it into battle, thinking that now the presence of God is here and we're going to win and Eli sat outside waiting to hear word of what was going on. And a runner came running to him and said, The Philistines have overcome the Israelites. And he said, Hophni and Phinehas, your two sons, have both been killed. And the Ark of the Covenant, they told Eli, has fallen into the hands of the heathen. He was a deacon of religion. When he heard that, that the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, that which represented the presence of God, he fell over backwards in his chair and broke his neck and he died. When word came to Huffington about Huckney and Phineas, Phineas' wife was carrying a child, and it was the days again this was premature, and because of the terrible shock she died in a premature childbirth. This again was the judgment of God. We say to ourselves, it isn't a matter of choice. We look out in the world in Father's Day, Eli, was a God-fearing man. I'm talking to God-fearing fathers. But how many of us are Eli's? We're afraid to say, son or daughter, you're going to mind me. You're going to obey me. From am a little we're going to discipline Some of you have the joy of having your fathers with you in church this morning. I think back of my father today. My father was a disciplinarian. No question about it. We obeyed. There were four of us kids. We obeyed. This is the way we grew up. I remember one time my brother and I, you know, all kids do it. We went to bed one night and we just couldn't quiet down. We carried on, we carried on. And I remember my father warning and warning and finally came in. And he picked up a toy tennis racket that I had and we both got a good lamb. I needed it. You know, it's funny. I think back today on Father's Day and uh, these are the things that come to my mind to give me joy. We laughed about it many times later. I said, Dad, remember the time with the toy tennis racket? He at me in smiled and said, yes, and you needed it. And I did. Honey, uh, how we love our fathers when they make us behave. Strange, we have respect. Yes, we have respect. I think of my father. Name, his first name was Hans. You don't hear that very much around. He didn't have a second name, a middle name. His name was Hans and Of course, if you went to Denmark and you were in Copenhagen, you'd see it a lot. The main street in Copenhagen is Hans Christian Andersen. And you've all read stories of Hans Christian Andersen, haven't you? The kid's stories. His father's name was Christian. These are Danish names. Hans is the diminutive of a Johannes or a John. It's a short, it's a, again, Hans means Johnny, or again, as we'd say Jack today as we shorten it. This was his name. And I remember again, as a disciplinarian, when my father lay on his deathbed with a very, very bad heart, I remember he asked me one day, so said, will you take some cards, will you type on the cards, some of the comforting passages of the word of God that in the night when I can't sleep, that I can hold up a card. And I remember doing that for him. Took some white cards and again to type on. For God so loved the world, uh, I will never leave thee nor forsake me. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. I have called thee by the name. The Lord is my shepherd. Something I sent them to him. But then again the long nights that he could hold up a card and there could be comfort. And oh, he he loved the old home congregation Zion where I was ordained. 40 years ago last Sunday. I didn't get into that church very often, but it was his dying request that we ship his body from East St. Louis back to Chicago, 300 miles, that he be buried in Zion Lutheran Church in South Chicago. And that's where we sent his body. I hadn't been back there for a long time, but there is where the service was held. I remember we had been in the church. He died in 41. I was ordained in 31. remember we were there that my dad uh, didn't like to show emotion. He was a man. He thought a man shouldn't cry. And remember my ordination. I wondered at the receiving line whether my dad would come through. And looking out the corner of my eye, I saw him in line. If he had not, I would have understood because he, he didn't want to ever cry in front of me. But he came up, and I shall never forget as long. He shook hands with me 40 years ago last Sunday and never said a word. But he walked on. but it was a tremendous tribute. He was afraid to talk because he might cry But but I think of him today because he and my mother they loved a lot of hymns, but one of their favorites was one that is so appropriate for Father's Day. It was God be with you till we meet again. This was one of his favorites. My mother had it sung at her funeral. My dad loved this. It was oh how appropriate it is for a father in the evening of life. It's it's a blessing, isn't it? It's a prayer. And it's so appropriate today for Father's Day that Christian fathers when we come to the end of life, that we may have a doxology, a prayer for our kids. You know the song, don't you? God be with you till we meet again. By his counsel's guide uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Till we meet, till we meet, till we meet at Jesus' feet. Till we meet, till we meet, God be with you, till we meet again. Oh, I hope you can say that about your Father in a benediction. God be with you, till we meet at Jesus' feet. A happy, Father's day to you. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. <laughs>